0: Welcome to this episode of the Innocence Project London podcast. My name's Louise Hewitt, I'm Director of the Innocence Project London and I'm here today with one of the new Innocence Project London uh, student caseworkers and she's going to talk about her journey into um, bettering the criminal justice system Um, and it's a very inspiring um, conversation I think you'll find listeners that I'm going to have with her. But before we go any further, Becca, do you want to introduce yourself to those who are listening?
1: Hello so um, my name is Rebecca Barclay and I'm 20 years old. I'm also studying at the University of Greenwich. Um, I study BA Criminology. Quite
0: an unusual background in terms of what you were doing before you were a student haven't you?
1: Yeah absolutely. So um, I started my journey into criminology um, and into mending the criminal justice system um, by well basically it started when I was an elite gymnast. Um so I don't know whether you you know about gymnastics and the gymnastics culture um, it, it was really quite detrimental my mental health um, and my physical health as well in the end. So I decided to 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 leave gymnastics around the age of 10. Um, But my school was quite concerned about my educational levels, so they decided that maybe it would be a great idea for me to look into maybe drama or dance, because I was always quite talented um, physically. So, my mum put me into drama and dance school, and then we started looking into auditions. Um, And I ended up being put in for an audition um, for Les Miserables in the West End. and I didn't get my hopes up because there's thousands of girls that audition for Little Cosette. Um, every every little girl wants to be Little Cosette. Um, and there was 200 girls that auditioned on this in particular day. Um, it was a very long day. Um, and somehow I got called back three times in this one day and we performed actually in the Queen's Theatre. Um, and... It was absolutely incredible. It was an incredible experience and I was just grateful to be there. Uh, we got down to the last five and I was kind of thinking to myself, oh, wow, I've got down to the last five. This is incredible. My mum was like, Bex, this is your second audition ever. Getting down to the last five is good enough. That's good enough. Um, and often you don't don't normally get a part. It, 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 re- it rarely happens, especially when you're first into it. And I'd only been singing and dancing for about three months at this point. I'd just come out of being an elite gymnast. Um... Anyway so we went home and then the next day we got a phone call and they said "Uh, congratulations you're going to be playing Little Cosette in the West End and it was just after the 25th anniversary so I was absolutely amazed Um, and I was still in primary school and this is when all the sats were happening so I missed most of my exams um, because I was performing I was performing like three to five times a week. I was very fortunate, because it was after the 25th anniversary, I had, like, Matt Lucas and Alfie Bow and I worked their first matinee on the Saturday, which was absolutely unreal. Um, But it then meant that I left primary school four years below average, got into my secondary school under Gifted and Talented, and I continued to audition for things after I'd left the West End. Um, I was at Sylvia Young, doing loads of different bits and bobs, and... um, that's kind of where I was going to stay. I was going to stay performing. And one day I had a conversation with my maths teacher and he said to me, Bex, he said, you've got a lot of p- potential in um, in your education. You know, I think if you put your mind to it, you can be really good. And he said, and really, if all else fails, you're not always guaranteed a job um, through the West End, through theatre. So maybe start looking into your education. And it got to around year 10, And this in particular day was a day that changed everything for me. I actually, funnily enough, got excluded because I was in my science class. It was one of the ones I was really good at. I was in one of the top sets. And one of my teachers came over to a student and said, wow, what's that on your head? Is that a lion's mane? She had a weave and it had grown out. And and I took that as a racist comment. So I stood up in front of the class and I made quite a scene out of it. I said, I I think that's a racist comment. And I was excluded um, for walking out of the class. My my secondary school was very strict. And that day I went home to my mum and I said, mum, I've done my research. You know, people are racist. And she said, well, yeah, Rebecca, she said, you know, they are. And I said, mum, I can't believe I've been excluded for pulling a teacher up of you know being racist and she was like well well yeah and i went in and this teacher apologized to me said i'm really sorry that you took it racially blah 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 this poor girl she was crying it was horrible and but that was a day that kind of changed everything for me um i settled down i started working really hard and i luckily thanks to my teachers got 11 gcse's i got into sixth form And um, I was very troubled when I got into sixth form, I don't really know why, I think um, a a lot was going on and um, my counsellor Mark, I owe him everything, he is the reason why I'm here, he really is my sixth form teachers because I fell quite, I had a lot of time out of school and um, he sat and he said I believe in you Bex he said I think you can do really well and all my teachers were like and my counsellor was like you know your teachers are saying that you're failing your percentage is 20% for the year like why aren't you coming in blah 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 and I sat down I spoke to him about things and he said but Bex you have been in because you've been here with me so we started questioning things and it turned out my attendance was actually 80% but one of my teachers wanted me out because she found me difficult
0: well so they hadn't actually been recording it properly
1: yeah they hadn't been recording my attendance properly um but my counsellor said they were gonna they were gonna kick me out of sixth form they said you know you're you're not trying well enough like you you're failing uh, you're not turning up what what are you doing um and medically I was in in a quite a bad place obviously I had loads of certificates to say that I I was going to the doctors blah blah blah, and blah, the hospital and um my counsellor was the one that that saved me from that and he sat down with me one day and he said Bex you are clever enough. If you want to go and study law and criminology, you can do it. He said, you can. You've come so far in your life, you can go and do it. And he said, and I believe you. And I said, but Mark, like, I, I can't. And he said, Bix, you can. He said, trust me, apply. It was the last day I could apply um, for a UCAS. And we sat down and he went through it with me and I applied. And um, if it wasn't for him, I, I, I wouldn't be here. So really... That's, that's kind of how I've got to where I am and kind of why I'm so proud of where I am, especially because I've worked really hard, especially educationally, to get to, to, get to where I am.
0: Well, we're very glad that you're here. So um, I think, yeah, that's quite interesting, isn't it? Coming from theatre or from gymnastics to theatre and it affecting your life in the way it's done. Um, and then you've ended up here studying law and criminology... Um, And you've got, the reason I'm talking to you today um, is because you've got some very, I think, forthright and very interesting views on the criminal justice system and what needs, um, I suppose, what needs fixing in it and what are the key issues that people need to be aware of. Now, Becca um, undertook a program of study that the University of Greenwich Criminology Department offers, which is the Inside Out program. And it's a fascinating and very innovative program of study, which brings students um, together. So students who attend the university together with students um, that are inside a prison and they are they collaborate together and there is no distinction between the type of students as inside students and outside students Um, and in terms of being a learning process and an awareness raising process about issues within prisons but also about how you learn with others it is an absolutely brilliant um, brilliant innovation for that and I know um, Becca you undertook the inside out Program last year, wasn't it? I think that's when I came to when I came in to speak to, um, or oh, I did a session, didn't I? I did a workshop in there. Um, so, for people who are listening, then, and um, with the experience that you've had, and also bearing in mind the fact that you want to work on the Innocence Project London, you've applied, you're successfully there. You start your work this academic year. What do you think then? Are the parts of the criminal justice system that need fixing need improving?
1: So. I started the journey of wanting to improve the criminal justice system by obviously the Inside Out Prison Exchange program. It really opened up my eyes to the wrongs of the criminal justice system. Initially I was so attracted to the program because I think education is very important in every aspect of life and obviously I've worked very hard for my education so being able to learn inside a prison environment was very appealing to me um one of the first days I was I was in the prison, I got to know quite a few of um, the inside students and like Louise said, um, it's such an amazing environment because you are students. Um, everyone's students you don't look at someone if they're an inside student you don't you don't think that they're in prison, you don't ask them what they're incarcerated for. Um, it's just not how the course goes. you're all just students learning together and if comfortable you share your experience. Um, and there I was able to learn learn so much from from their point of view as well as my own. Um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of things that need to be corrected in the criminal justice system. Um, I think the main problem is rehabilitation. I think rehabilitation, really, if we're being realistic, it doesn't exist. Um, the women that I was very lucky to to be working with. Um, they felt at times that they were... It's things that you don't think about, I think, where, obviously, when I'm at home and I take my makeup off, I feel very insecure about my skin. I have spots. I'm young. I'm 20 and they aren't allowed to wear face makeup um, because it comes in glass bottles most, and they're not allowed glass in the prison. So where it's easy for me to get up and cover my skin, a lot of the time the, the girls can't. So they often said that it made them feel discouraged in getting up and getting out of their cells, going to their workshops or going to their classes. The main problem in prison is, is rehabilitation because I believe that... The general population don't actually think about sentencing in the way that they should, because in the UK, the sentencing isn't like in the US. The likelihood of someone being released out of prison, even if they have been incarcerated for life, um, they're bound to be released at some point. So why wouldn't you want to work with these individuals to rehabilitate them if they have committed an offence and make them or encourage them to be a better person, put them on education... And put them on programs where they can study for university degrees. A lot of the girls that I um, was very learning with, learning alongside, um, you know, they they have studied for degrees in prison, and they have those qualifications, and they want to come out of prison and start up their own businesses most of the time, or work for a company, work in law. They've a lot of them have done law degrees, and it's incredible to sit there and hear what these ladies have to say. So I think, you know, why does society wash their hands with people that are incarcerated? I think it's a big
0: problem. Yeah, I I would agree, actually. I think that um, people who are in prison are often seen or they're often forgotten about. They're not considered to be part of our society. Um, and I think more closer to home, anecdotally, certainly the clients that we do the work for on Innocence Project London, those individuals who are maintaining their innocence, they tell me a lot of the time that it's been made really, really difficult for them to be in prison and to maintain their innocence. So whether that's um, they don't get access to jobs opportunities so you know they can work in prison and they can earn some money they would get overlooked for those positions um, ahead of people who had accepted their guilt and was engaging in that way with the process or was perceived to be engaging in that way with the process Um, they have either directly or indirectly had um, things withheld from them not being able to access courses. I've got one client who um, hasn't been able or has been fighting for goodness knows how many years. Um, ...for his recategorisation... ...and he has got an exemplary record in prison... ...never been in trouble... Um, ...you know, has just got his kept his head down... ...just got on with his sentence... ...but because he's been maintaining his innocence... ...and because he is trying to challenge his conviction... ...through the Criminal Cases Review Commission... Um, ...his recategorisation keeps getting knocked back... ...for no real valid reason... ...and I think that, along with, as you've mentioned... ...in terms of rehabilitation... I think those things are what members of the public and maybe some of our listeners don't realise happens behind those closed doors, um, and I think it's it's interesting that it's actually our topic conversation has gone into that area about prisons because it is part of the criminal justice system it is part of the area that you'll be working in um and probably you know the client that you will be working with will probably have some stories to tell in terms of things that have happened to them because they the the prison officers know that they're maintaining their innocence
1: yeah I think absolutely and I think when you come face to face because I I I presume that most people are aware that you don't... It's not like the US, what you see on Netflix documentaries of people wearing big jumpsuits, big orange jumpsuits. Prisoners in the UK, and I say prisoners in quotations because I don't like that term, um, but people in the UK, they they wear their usual clothes. Um, So when we were exposed to the system, we walked in and you're there as as a number, you're not a person when you walk into prison. And unfortunately, that is the way that you feel. That's the way that I felt, and I was only there for two, three hours. Um, and I think that's one thing that I found very challenging.
0: Um, Your identity disappears. It's funny you should say that actually, because I remember probably about, it would have been about three years ago now, back in hmm, 2017, maybe a bit longer, but I took a group of students in to meet their client. And one of those students was um, a man, was a male, male student and he had to be he had to have a tag on his wrist that showed he was a visitor so he didn't get mistaken for being an inmate or being one of the prisoners and actually for him that was quite stark because his the the thing on his wrist had visitor and then had a barcode on it the barcode was scanned upon entry then scanned again when we went through another bit of the prison um, and then he had to be, he effectively had to be scanned in and then scanned out again as a visitor. Now, for the, so there was myself and another female student that went in, we didn't have to have any of that at all. But it, I think it made him realise, even as a visitor, I'm a number. I'm a number going in so I can go out again, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of people are very, uptight about how prisons work they seem to think that pe- people go in locked away and that that's that that's how the criminal justice system deals with people that are incarcerated
0: locked away and forgotten
1: 100 and that is so true and it's it's not fair I obviously it was horrible for, for me as an individual but it made me understand my privilege and my voice and what I was able to to do as as a person so there was one in particular time we was we wasn't allowed to use a normal toilets um for, for many reasons and we went into the staff toilet. As I came out, I was told by my lecturer to make sure that one of the prison officers locked the door behind me because there's things in there that the general population aren't allowed to access. So I told um, the prison guard, I approached him very gently and politely. I said, "Oh, I'm really sorry to disturb you. Um, is there any way you'd be able to lock the door? I've been instructed to make sure that the door's locked. And he questioned me, he said, "Why was you in the toilet?" you're not allowed to be using this toilet blah 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 and went to put his hands on my shoulders and then he looked down and realized that I was a visitor and he apologized he was so sincere he said I'm so sorry and I said oh do you normally put your hands on you know those who are residents here if they do something that they're not supposed to do and he said oh no obviously that's not how we deal with it I said but you was going to do that and kind of didn't want to cause a commotion. And I walked away and I spoke to my lecturer about it. And she said, understand this as your privilege. That's made you feel uncomfortable. Think about how it makes the residents here feel. You can go home. You're going to go home for dinner tonight. You've been talking about how excited you are. Mm -hmm. And often I found myself thinking, oh, I'm going to go to McDonald's on my way home. And I think these girls haven't tasted McDonald's for God knows how many years. I am privileged to be able to go and do that because not everyone that, that is in incarceration actually deserves to be there. I know one of the girls that um, was in the cell next to one of the other girls that I work, like I learnt alongside, um, she said that she was in there for not paying her TV licence. Madness. I think is is crazy. How can someone be incarcerated um, for not paying their TV licences?
0: I think it's interesting that it's only these, these things, this learning about... And it's only the tip of the iceberg for us because, like you say, we get to leave. You know, I know when we do visits, I take students in to see their clients, they interview the client, um, but we get to walk away, they get to stay. And I think it's not until you've had that experience of seeing just a a snippet of what their life is like that you suddenly realise just what a lot of the members of the public don't know about the system and about how it works... So what then or why is being part of improving and mending the criminal justice system so important to you? Your passion is boundless. I can, you know, I could sit here and talk to you for ages, but I did promise that I wouldn't do another lengthy podcast. So, um, so I'm going to try and keep this one to the length that it should be. But, you know, what, why is being part of improving the system so important to you?
1: I think by exposing myself and doing more research after accessing the Inside Out Prison Exchange programme, you realise actually how racist the criminal justice system can be and how many injustices actually happen. Um, and I think a lot of... not I don't want to say arguments, but a lot of debates that I have with people say, you know, we're not in the US, like we're in the UK, This this doesn't happen here. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with a very out-of-date system where it is discriminatory towards men and women, you know, in ways that women get lesser sentences than men.
0: And it's interesting you should say that, actually, in terms of out of date, because the when you think about it, that whole... So post-conviction, you've got 28 days to appeal. And I was having this conversation with someone the other day in terms of, you know, someone's gone into prison, they're relying on the mechanics of the outside world to work really well. But then you know, you're reliant on getting getting the advice, I guess, that you might want to hear in terms of, yes, there's ground for appeal. If you don't get that advice that you want to hear, that there are, you know, you get told you, there are no grounds for appeal, how then, within this very tight timescale, do you, you know, how do you have the mechanism to go and get advice for grounds for appeal somewhere else? How do you operate the machine that is that side of the criminal justice system from being... In prison. And I'm not saying that, you know, lengthening the 28 days is the solution, but it just seems that there is, it's such an uphill struggle when the appeal process is there for a reason. It's part of that criminal justice system. And I think. When that whole system was set up, and I've probably said it before, but it was very much thought of as a one-way system in, you know. It was never really envisaged that people would be caught in that system that shouldn't be there. Yeah.
1: I think the literal reality is that we're dealing with a very outdated system with people that are elder, mi- middle-class, rightly so, you know, middle-class men, um, and predominantly they have very strong views. I think even I have conversations with a lot of people um, and the question that I'm often asked, and I, I'm, I'm very astonished and shocked by the things that I've heard from people, but a lot of the time I get questioned But do you not think, even by police officers I get told, you know, but the arrests that we do are in places where more people of Black, Asian and minority ethnic individuals live um, that's why there's more stop and searches you know, blah 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 they live in worse areas, there's more gangs blah 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 blah, and I said so why is it that, you know, in the media you only see people from Black, Asian and multi ethnic backgrounds being arrested being sent to prison and higher sentences because there are higher sentences for people that are Black and multi ethnic, and it's easy go and get that information you go on the government website you can see that um why why is that the case um there's so many questions that you have to ask I often say to my friends don't always believe what the media tells you make sure you go out and you do your own research because often the stuff that the media put, puts out is in factual I went to go and watch the babes in the Woods. Um, case court case. I watched it in the old Bailey, and I was astonished by the things that was published in the um, newspaper to what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, just just little differences in the way that the media phrased um, what happened in the courtroom. I was there. Um, I I saw and I heard everything, and it, it was horrible. It was horrible to be there, um, and it was heartbreaking. But but why was it left this long for? you know the court case to happen in the first place there's so many was it because the girls are from a middle class background or a lower class is that why that they weren't prioritized in the criminal justice system I genuinely believe that that, that was why um but you've only learned
0: those things because you've been exposed to them yes. I suppose if that's right to say um a lot because I, I know for a fact that a lot of people that don't, you know, don't know that Innocence Projects are over here and they don't think there's a whole collection of people that think that, you know, innocent, Innocence Projects aren't needed because, you know, wrongful convictions very rarely happen, There are a minutiae, they're a very tiny percentage, miscarriages of justice, again, you know, very rarely happen, we don't need them over here. Yet, from the 11 organisations that are still active in England and Wales, that's not what... Our understanding of it you know the letters we receive um the stories we hear the issues that we get told from our clients that they face mm-hmm. is very very different to the one I think that's portrayed to the outside world and I think unless you scratch the surface mm-hmm. unless you fact check unless you go and look for other other news on whatever issue it is you're reading about you're not going to these things aren't going to come to the surface aren't they
1: yeah but i think unfortunately a lot of people don't want to go out and find that information i think often on my commute to uni i sit and i i observe people and they're reading the guardian or they're reading the sun and shaking their heads at the crime that's going on and xyz and i just think you don't know watching these you know crime documentaries and I'm like, oh, that's not right, that's so wrong and you get so frustrated but it's just encouraging me to educate myself more and educate other people. It's it's caused me um, many of issues. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> a lot of people have said, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this for free? Like this doesn't happen in the UK. Um, look, I believe that the government in some way brainwashes us into thinking that these crimes and these bad things don't happen um, and if they do allow it to get out into the media then they're often portrayed in a way to make the individual seem a lot worse no one ever really researches into why people commit these crimes and what they've been through in their lives and xyz and i think courts are very very discriminatory in the way that they the way that they do things but i think as time is going on it is getting better and i think that's why it's so important for us to do this work and educate ourselves and educate other people
0: Absolutely. So, in terms of the people listening to this, then, what what advice would you give them? Um, you know, being the age that you are, a hell of a lot like younger than me. Um, but in terms of you know, young people, older people, what? Would you tell these listeners about what they can do to learn about some of the issues we've spoken about today in terms of rehabilitation in prisons, um, in terms of, you know, innocent individuals who are maintaining their innocence in prison, um, but who aren't being given access to things that, you know, their, their peer prisoners have got access to because they have... Um, the perception that they've you know engaged with their guilt and engaging with the process what you know what would you tell listeners about how they can dig a bit deeper and find what's below the surface
1: I think I would initially ask and please to anybody listening do not wash your hands with people that have been incarcerated um I think prison education is vital and I think by looking down at those who are incarceration um is a very bad thing to do because I think in the UK we believe in rehabilitation and believe in the best in people um and by it should be a crime, really, because you know, if you are open and you're very um, vocal about how you feel about the criminal justice system, about racism, I think a lot of people do say, you know, white people, white people face discrimination. You know, go out and do your research. Go, there's research on government on the government website. Um, obviously, from people's backgrounds and listen to younger people. I think one thing that I've always faced is from from family members and from friends and people that I've spoken to you're too young like you're too y- you don't understand how the criminal justice system works you've had, never had any experience and I say well I have um I have gone out there and I have educated myself so please if you are in that situation or you are doubting the injustices that happen in the criminal justice system question what the media says go out do your research and educate yourself as much as possible before you're vocal about how the criminal justice system works um i'm always open to speak to anybody and educate anybody ever so (laughs) that's always one thing i'm always open to um but yeah definitely make sure you educate yourself and research
0: That's sound advice and I think by you know the conversation that we've had today in this podcast that in itself is education isn't it? Uh, You're you know students like you the students at work on the Innocence Project London it is your perspective that you get on the criminal justice system and how the component parts of it that aren't working very well that need to be fixed and needs to be improved it's you guys that are going to go forward and do that Um, and I think it's you know, about understanding the issues and looking beyond what you're just told in the media um, and digging a bit deeper and trying to understand the stories. And you will come across a lot of stories when you work on the Innocence Project London and they're not all happy stories. Then, you know, some of them are, are stories of, which I still disbelieve and a lot of times that can actually happen in today's society. Um, But it's, yeah, like I said, it's you guys that are going to go out and um, are going to change things for the better. And I suppose that, that starts here. So Becca, it's been brilliant to talk to you. um, And, I'm I'm still fascinated by how you've ended up going from Little Cosette to Criminology. Um, I think it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant journey. And for you, it really, it has only just begun. So it's absolutely brilliant. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.